Have you heard of Raise Them Well? It's our company that we started back when I was pregnant with our second son, Hutch, and we couldn't find the supplements and the trustworthy products that we were really looking for for our own family. And so Wiggy and I decided to create our own and Raise Them Well was born. We provide a lot of different products, including vitamins and supplements for your children, really great magnesium products, prenatal vitamins, and more. So make sure you check out RaiseThemWell.com for all of those offerings, especially if you're looking to clean up your family's products in the new year and maybe just get a little bit crunchy. Everybody and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here, and I'm super excited to introduce you to today's guest, my longtime friend, Jenna Penner. Welcome, Jenna. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for being here. And you know what I was thinking about as we were, as I was preparing for today, I honestly don't even remember how exactly we met. But what I do know is this. Oh, no, I don't either. <laughs> I I really don't remember. But what I do know is that for many years, uh, Jenna has been one of those moms that I just look up to in every area of life. And I feel like anytime she talks, I cling on every word, whether oh. that's a one-on-one conversation or some of the walks we've gone through on over the years. And then also several of the events that Jenna has spoken at that I have attended, which that might've actually been the first time I met you, but I can't remember. Um, Maybe I I really don't know, but Jenna is awesome. And today we're, this is completely different than most of the types of episodes we do. But as we are here in January and so many of us are, um, reflecting on maybe where we are in our lives, what our goals might be for the new year. I like to look at things much differently than the typical, you know, what are the new year's resolutions that we always hear about related to health and wellness and fitness. Those things are all important as is, as are improving our finances and decluttering and all that. But what I really love the most is to reflect on how I'm intentionally spending my time, especially within my family as a mom, as a wife and that kind of thing. And I think that Jenna's story, both of her life, as well as a few things that she learned from her granny that she's going to share with us today will be really encouraging to our listeners. So with that being said, Jenna, will you give us the, I know it has to be the short Cliff Notes version of your <laughs> background because we could do a whole episode on the story of Jenna Penner, right? Um, easily. Maybe, so. maybe, maybe more than one, but um, I would love for you to just give the, you know, your life is so interesting and <laughs> I would love for you just to share a little bit about your background growing up, that kind of thing, and how you became a mom of seven. Is that right? Yep. Right now, there's seven. Right now, there's seven. <laughs> yes, a mom of seven. And I know you'll have to go fast and skip a lot of really spicy parts, but um, <laughs> but, 
but you can share some of those as well. So tell us about you, Jenna. Okay. Well, my name is Jenna. I have a great husband named Keith and he's not boring, but he does put people to sleep for a living. Um, <laughs> I have four adult children and I have three at home. They're homeschooled. Two will graduate in May. Hallelujah. And then that leaves me with one. And um, I have two daughters-in-law. I have a grandson, which is exciting because then that makes me a granny now. Yes. Yay. I know. And I have one almost son-in-law come June. And I'm crossing my fingers for another daughter-in-law. So, Clark, here's your notice. She is the one. No pressure. But she is the one. Precious Aaron. Um, so I, we, here's, here's the cliff notes version. I'm a planner. So that's good. Cause I have a wedding and event planning business. Uh-huh. I love to plan. And so we were going to have two that old fashioned way. We were going to mm-hmm. wait four years and we were going to adopt two. Mm-hmm. So we had mm-hmm. two. And then about 10 minutes later, <laughs> had another one. So then we were like, let's just have four. So we had four. And then, but we just never, ever, ever could drop that, that calling that, that just, it was like the adoption thing is real. And Mm -hmm. I think granny's love for loving everyone near her that she could see, hear, love, touch around her was really, that really instilled um, a heart for adoption in us. And that really was something that we had planned to do even before we were married. That was on our radar. So sure. that's, kind and of you the- and I, we've had yeah. conversations about that because I grew up like my favorite game to play was Orphan Annie, which I think is very bizarre. Um, but I was sort of obsessed with the adoption from an early age as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and Wig and I haven't fully told this story, but um, his family had a very tumultuous adoption experience that, that remains that way today. And so when God reconciled all of that for us and really led us in the way of foster care, which is something no, neither of us ever thought we would ever do, yeah. it's just really fascinating how some of those things that are planted in you early on that you think are going to look differently. Um right you know, end up creating this desire that you never thought you'd have. So anyway, yeah, yeah. that's, that's our cliff notes version. That's it. So I do tell us just a couple things about your childhood though, because I mean, <laughs> I mean, do you want couple- the prison story? Do you- <laughs> yes, I do. I do want the prison story because <laughs> I think understanding where people fully came from and also seeing the ways that redemption work. It's right. just so, it's so encouraging. So yeah. yeah. Tell us the story. Tell us like, <laughs> pick, my, one. pick one. Okay. Here's, here we go. So my parents were of course married, but my, um, my, it, it's just, it's hard to explain just, but my dad was, in, you know, I kind of tease because I think sometimes in life you can really get sad and angry and be triggered by pests and Mm. things. And you can also, and those are real things. Like I do not want to say that's not a real thing, but, um, 
I also think that you can choose to laugh or, um, you know, sing a new song. And Mm -hmm. I I really, truly choose to do that through life because, you know, sometimes childhood's not a fun experience Mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to go through a lot to come out on the other side, smiling and choosing positive things. And not everybody can do that. Not everybody's story is one where that's a possibility, but, um, sometimes a lot, a lot of work has to be done for those things to happen. And not everybody is privileged to be able to have all of those resources and things, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do choose. So I, I don't want, you know, if you hear me laughing and giggling about like, yeah, why'd you move so much in your childhood? Oh, running from the wall. Um, so, I mean, the truth of that is like, right. You know, my, you know, we call him, I call him my birth father, um, because my mom did remarry and I had a beautiful father in my stepfather. Um, mm-hmm. but my birth father did like to, um, do lots of kind of rotten things. And he did spend a couple stints in San Quentin prison. And, um, it, it was always kind of a battle to try to know what is the truth in his story? He was a pathological liar. He did lots of things like he um, worked at a college registrar's office. And so he had diplomas for many, many things. Right. Um, And so he never was, he never went to seminary, but he was a pastor. Um, Mm -hmm. He never went to school to be a psychologist, but he worked for a state as a psychiatrist and prescribed medicine for people. He worked um, at a group home and sadly like took the checks of the people who were, you know, special needs, you know, people and took their money and embezzled. I mean, all sorts of things. And so it's, it's always hard in your mind as a child to be like, this is my father. I'm supposed to love and respect him, but he does all of these things. Right. Sure. And so it's hard to like work through and get past those things. And then as an adult be like, I'm supposed to forgive, I'm supposed to love and then circle Mm -hmm. back through those times and just get to a point where it's like, Hmm, I can't fix him. I can't change him. Right. And then, you know, get to a point where like, you're now starting your own family. And it's like, I realize I'm an adult and I can, you know, kind of compartmentalize with that. But now I'm, I'm creating a new family and a child who can't decipher those things. So then what, how do we put boundaries in place? Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's so good though, because, you know, you think about like you, you, you have plenty of quote trauma in your own background and you understand that well, yet that equipped you so well to then take on and understand, um, adoption and all of the things that come with that. And, you know, from overseas and out of foster care and that kind of thing. And so, um, I think, again, it's like, it's that whole redemption and using even the icky parts of life and the perspective you're able to have on that to then use it for good and to not just get stuck in the, in the cycle of identifying by what's happened to you, but instead using what's happened to 
propel you forward to do things and make changes and to be a light in the world. And I just love that part. So, (laughs) and just letting our children have to know our children's stories are their own to let our children work through things they need to work through at their own timeline in their own way and just support them through that. Yeah. And that's no easy. It's a lot easier said than done. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, okay. Let's talk about your granny because so you're, you're telling us about that your childhood was tumultuous and there was a lot happening. Um, And granny was a bright spot though. Right. Granny was kind of that steady, voice and resonating teacher of all things worth keeping and saving for the future. And I love that. So tell us about granny and some of the, the things that she taught you that are, I mean, she taught you some really timeless truths and treasures. So yes. yeah, let's hear about those. Yeah. Like you can't like talk about granny without talking about pa because they have a love affair. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And it's, it's so cute because like pa was not like this romantic fellow. Like, Uh you know, he didn't bring her flowers. He didn't, I don't remember him giving her birthday gifts, let alone like these Hallmark holidays. You know, Mm -hmm. when he proposed, he slipped this the marriage license across her counter at work where she was waiting tables and asked her if he wasted his money. That was his romantic <laughs> proposal. Like this was not a romantic dude. You know, it's, he, it's, I, too I, good. I remember, it's too good. I know. I remember hearing him said, you know, I told you, I loved you before. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Like uh-huh. it's well, not I mean, what we talk about in marriage conferences of today. Uh-huh. But like when you see, when you saw them together, it was just pure fire. And, um, like they they invented spooning I swear if you look <laughs> in the dictionary that's their picture right there they, they only needed a half of a full-size bed Keith and I have a full-size bed to this day even with our great Dane 185 pound dog because <laughs> I am so stubborn because I'm like if granny and pa can sleep on half of a full-size bed we never need a bigger size bed than a full-size bed and every once in a while he's like you know, maybe. And I'm like, don't you even Nope. nope. <laughs> we will it. only ever have a full size bed. There you go. Tip number one, marriage advice, full yeah. size bed only. No TV in your bedroom, full size bed. Yeah. Um, oh yes. I'm with yeah. you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it was just so sweet. Like the way they moved around each other was like a choreographed dance. Like people talk about kitchen dancing. They always had kitchen hugs after washing dishes, never a dishwasher. And it was like fireworks went off. Mm. And it's like the only pre-wedding like little tidbit nugget that she whispered to me. It was during one of my bridal showers after she gave me one of her homemade hand done quilts. It's like she just whispered to me. It's like, honey, Shug, shave your legs all the way up every time you bathe. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, I'm like, granny, you're saucy. She's so soft. Oh, that's so great, though. I love that because I mean, it's 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 very fascinating that that's what she chose to pass on. Not the like, oh, don't go to bed angry. Not all those things. You know, I love that. Shave those it's legs, like, sister. <laughs> that's who she was. And man, maybe we need more marriage advice like that these days. So yes. you know, <laughs> yes, and you I know, love she, it. She definitely let us see her frustrated with Pa. 
but mm. mostly it was because other ladies would flirt with Paul. That's mm-hmm. what she would get frustrated about. That's what I remember her being frustrated about. Yeah. But but she always giggled like a little schoolgirl when she, when he walked in. You know, she just yeah. smiled and giggled and I mean that's just what I remember. She awesome. loved her man. Oh, she <laughs> loved. Oh, man. It was beautiful. That's so, great. I mean, you know, that's definitely one thing that I loved yeah. was yeah. how she loved her husband. That's and, awesome. you know, she definitely taught me so much about Jesus. And I think one thing that I loved was sometimes when there were like seasons in life where I felt farther away from Jesus, like mm-hmm. right after a new kiddo mm-hmm. or, you know, just certain times she would just be like, listen, you do what you can do, you know prayer changes as your seasons of life change. Bible reading changes as your seasons of life change. You Mm -hmm. know, she would always say, this is not an excuse to not have dedicated prayer time or Bible time, but sometimes in seasons, you just have to do what you can do. And she'd be like, open that Bible and put it on your kitchen counter because you're going to be in your kitchen. And, you know, let your, let's pause on that for a second. Cause that is one of the that is one of the things that I remember you sharing one of the first times I heard you speak. And so I didn't mention this part, but I know when I met Jenna, I was a brand new first time mom. I just don't remember when or how or what the context was because we had lots of interaction around that time, but I just can't remember the initial, which is fine. Um, But what I do remember is that was one of the things because I was, you know, I grew up in church, um, but we did not, we were not, we, we, I was, we were, I grew up United Methodist and there was no one that ever told me to read the Bible just to be, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm very transparent and that's just Mm -hmm. true. And um, when I met you, we were, you know, been going to a great Bible teaching church for a while and I was getting into, you know, reading my Bible regularly. And then Mm -hmm. I had a baby. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember being like, okay, I guess I got to put this on hold. Like, I don't even know what to do with this. And, and then so you shared, right, you shared that and you shared the whole, like, you know, take the pressure off. It doesn't have to look perfect. Right. right. Granny taught you this to see your Bible on your kitchen counter and leave it open. Like not revolutionary, but are we doing that? That's, you know, the question. Yeah. I loved big time. We're Americans. We have more than one Bible. We could leave them open Uh in more than one room. Right. Yep. Sure could. Right. Yeah. 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 What else? Tell us about me. Yeah. And it's like, we can read little bits and we can read them out loud and we can read them, you know, to ourselves, but it's the same thing with praying just as we Mm -hmm. go about. But I mean, I do remember not always being appropriate with, with what I remember to pray out loud and to myself, because Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes I would pray certain prayers and I'm like, oh, my children probably shouldn't have heard me pray that prayer Mm -hmm. out loud because it's very (laughs) nice. But, you know, that's also just being realistic. I think sometimes it's okay that our kids hear us in those moments of maybe desperation or Mm -hmm. not feeling the best. And it's okay because they learn that that's real life and it's how we feel and it's vulnerable and they can feel that way too. Right. 
absolutely we always have to feel this perfect you know christian face person i yeah. guess that's a yeah. weird thing but yeah you know. no i think i think there's so much to that that we i think that um dealing with our feelings and seeking to understand them is so important. And we did a great episode with my friend Jess Hoddle about her new book, Face Off With Your Feelings on that. Mm -hmm. But ignoring them and not addressing them and not taking them to God is in suppressing them does not usually result in very great outcomes. So right. (laughs) And kind of on that same line of having more than one Bible, you know, having Mm -hmm. a prayer Bible that, and it's, you know, it definitely over the years turns into kind of a battered, tattered Bible, but Mm -hmm. having names and dates all over that Bible, like when a child is born or a child Mm -hmm. is welcomed into a family or, you know, something you're specifically praying for somebody, you just write that name and the date on specific verses you're praying for people. And then over the years, you just look back on that specific Bible and it just really becomes an amazing testimony of God's faithfulness. I love that so much. And that is not something I do. I do journal a little bit. I wish I did it more. But I think like that, actually having it in God's word coming to life in your life and that around you, like there's no substitute for that and being able to, to tangibly see it through his word. So I really love that. Yeah. I, that, that might be on my, see, this is what I was saying. This, that might be on my 2022. Mm. Um, that might just be a something, something that Emily needs to start doing. So I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think one of the greatest things that granny taught me is that you can make your child's first 18 years tough or their second 18 years will be tough. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I just kind of want to pause mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm a parent of a special needs child and this totally gets through that, that, that sentence just gets thrown out the window. Right. And, you know, this, this does not relate to every circumstance, you know? So I don't want somebody that thinks like, what are you saying? Are you calling me an awful parent? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that this, this mm-hmm. definitely comes into play with, you know, let's say a typical child, you know, if you can call a child typical, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely have some typical ch- children and I, I have seen this play out before my eyes, you know, mm-hmm. I have, you know, do you think I can name the, the ages of my children right now? Let's see if I can do it. So <laughs> 14, 17, 18, Oh boy, it gets really cloudy after that, you know, when they're all adult children, you know, right. the but, birthdays, you know, don't, the birthdays don't have numbers on the cake anymore after that, right? <laughs> oh, they totally do. Which oh, they do? That's cute. <laughs> I, know, that doesn't surprise me, Jenna. <laughs> My friend Kelly, who was like, when I was younger, she's like, your job as a parent is to make sure your children are not annoying to other people. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, oh, I think I might be on the verge. Right. <laughs> you know, she's, she's always been so amazing to me to like speak wonderful things into my life. Like she is precious to me. She yeah. was the one who started the trend with the M&Ms with her kids. I'm like, I'm stealing that. She's like, you should. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Tell, tell us about that trend real quick. The what? 
Tell us about the M&Ms. Oh, she just put, she always just made a beautiful, the numbers of her children's ages on a homemade cake every year. With M&Ms. With M&Ms. Perfect. Sounds great to me. It's I love that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But like, you know, when you have a baby or a toddler or a preschooler, you are physically exhausted. And mm-hmm. Granny was real rough with me. I was like, you've beaten me up, honey. I love you, but you are beating me up. She, and like, she would tell me if I was not falling into bed exhausted, I wasn't working hard enough. And that like bruised me a little bit when I, you know, was exhausted with little tiny babies. Right. And I had, um, I went to kindergarten registration with four kids. So I had... Mm-hmm you know, four kids in tow trying to register one for kindergarten. And when I walked in, they were like, uh, we don't do, we don't do priests. We don't do daycares. I'm like, no, these are all mine. And they're like, you have four kids and nobody's old enough to go to kindergarten. And I was like, <laughs> can you quit yelling? Everybody is now silent and staring at me. If you can get paperwork, I can get one yeah. on my way. Quit it, you know? But well, like- so what's interesting about that is when I first, when I first heard that from you, I found it really encouraging because I think I was raised in a way where it's like, you're never supposed to be worn out. And so when you kind of flip that around for me to be like, when you're pouring yourself out this way every day, you should fall in bed exhausted. I was like, Oh, like that, that sounds really encouraging to me. So maybe I'm doing this right. Maybe this isn't a failure. Maybe it's not that I don't have enough in me. Maybe it's that I'm doing it right. So I found that incredibly encouraging and still do, by the way, because that still hasn't ended. So, (laughs) well, it's just like, you know, we're always like, she's like, teach and train, teach and train, teach and train all day long, teach and train. Right. And it's like, once you get to be a teenage mom, you're emotionally exhausted. You're Mm -hmm. like literally heart thumping, like, oh, it's hard. Because yeah. like by this time you've got to let them fall on their faces so you can help them learn yeah. to put themselves back together while you're all living under the same roof. Yes. And I love that. Um, uh, Jason Ledford, who is a pastor for both yeah. Jenna and I, he says something that I love. And we had Jason on talking about kids and technology um, not too long ago. So I would encourage everyone to go listen to that episode. But Um, he talks about, and I love this because I think it's so helpful to reframe things as a parent when we live in this world where it's like, oh no, your kids are supposed to look perfect all the time and you never want them to fail. He specifically (laughs) prays, please like, first of all, God, don't allow them to sin successfully, which is great. And also help them to fail while they are under my roof so that when they are launched from my roof from under my roof, that they will be better prepared to handle whatever life has for them. And I'm like, well, that's good, right? (laughs) Eric Davis, who was like, used to be a a pastor when, you know, I was a younger mama. He was like my kid's pastor. He used Mm -hmm. to say, you know, let them be fully children so that when they're adults, they can be fully adults. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think that looks like when you, when you say as a mom of seven, when you, when we hear that, um, that either the first 18 years can be hard or the second 18 years can be hard. What would you say is one or two of the battles that are most worth fighting now while they're younger? Um, kind of, I, I would say they fall in the life skill categories. Mm-hmm. So mm. teaching, teaching them 
how to problem solve and think for themselves. Yes, critical thinking. Critical thinking because they need to learn how to do it at an developmentally when they're able. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that that doesn't come at the same age for every child, um, but when they can and when they're ready, um, because, you know, this happened, you know, what I'll just say one of my children, so maybe Mm -hmm. they won't be ratted out, but one of my children went to college and their their roommate didn't know how to make their bed. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how to do laundry. Um, so my child was teaching roommates, just basic life skills. Right. So, so if they don't, if they go off to college and they don't know basic life skills, it makes you wonder what else do they not know how to do or mm-hmm. solve by themselves? Because right. these are basic life skills. Right. And I think that's so good. And we, and Speaking of Jason Ledford, I did an episode with his wife, Carla, about the age of helicopter and lawnmower parenting that we live in. Yeah. And I love that that's one of your, your, your focuses, because I think um, we do, we fix so much, we change so much, we do so much, and we have to be so careful as moms that we're not getting so much fulfillment out of doing all the things that instead we're not focusing on, number one, those really important conversations. What do you think? Why? 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 You know, how? How does that work? You know, all of those kinds of things that are so important early on just to get the thinking happening. And and then also, yeah, to let go of our perfection and the way that we want everything done. And there's, you know, not one right way to do almost everything and let them figure it out, even though it's not maybe the way that we wish to do it. So um, I have a perfect example. My almost nine-year-old last night tosses me his Taekwondo uniform and says, this is really dirty. And I was like, (laughs) yes, it is. And just Mm -hmm. nothing else. No more words. And he's looking at me and I was like, so what are you going to do about it? And (laughs) right. (laughs) So he grabbed it, marched on over to the washer. And I went in to remind him about how, what we use to make things wider. And that was that. There were no more words, right? Right. <laughs> um, anyway, so, and, and that's one of the things that you and some of my other mom friends, I admire so much, especially with a bunch of kids, and especially with a bunch of kids I really admire, mm-hmm. are, are doing from a young age. And I think we're almost shunned in our society for doing that these days you know for example my kids forget their coats almost every single day I could be worried about what the teachers might think about me for my kids being cold or I can just let them ride it out and hopefully they'll remember their coat tomorrow and that's kind of what I've done and you know I I can see where they're growing from that which is good so anyway All right, we have just a couple minutes. So tell me one or two more, one or, one or two last granny, you know, mic drop tidbits that we might need to leave with today. <laughs> well, I will leave you with this one. How's this? Okay. okay. Fair is giving each child what they need. That is mm-hmm. not going to be the same for each child, especially at the same age or stage or time. Oh, yes. Um, so, so I needed that one today. Yes. I mean, so many times it's like, 
I mean, even like, let's think, you know, Christmas was not that long ago. It's like, uh, you have to spend the same amount on each child. No, you don't. Yeah. You you know, this one got to go to the movies without mom and dad at this age. It it doesn't have to be the same age and say stage Mm -hmm. for each child. It's like fairs giving each child what they need. It's not right. going to look the same for each child. And it's it's interesting to me because so many people gave me a really hard time for this one. All, all the years. All mm-hmm. the years. And I just, I just kept going. I just kept going. And now I, I, I've never heard, my children never gave me a hard time for it. Mm-hmm. They didn't have an issue with it. Mike, I never heard that's not fair in my household. Not that's one great. Of my kids ever said it. Yeah. Other people said that's not fair on behalf of my children, but my children mm-hmm. never said it. They didn't know. They just knew that their needs were being met and they have individual needs. Right. Well, I think that's another thing going back to what we talked about before. I, we have these conversations regularly about you know, oh, well, when can I do this? You can do that when you can show me you're responsible in this, Mm -hmm. this, and this way. So there's no, it's not when you're in fourth grade or whatever. It's when you can show me this, this, and this, and you can do that consistently in a responsible manner. Then we can discuss that, you know? And so put kind of putting the monkey back on their back, like this is up to you when you can show me this, right? And, um, and, and that seems to work fairly well because they generally stop talking about it and because there, there's not much to discuss until you've done all those things, right? <laughs> so. right. It's like we had one child, you know, we've always been like one child was in public school and they have like, you know, the little system where parents can check grades and such. And, you know, my husband was like, um, here, child, like if you if your report card says this or, you know, you have good grades, we're not really going to go behind and check you. And, mm-hmm. you know, that child had good grades and we never really went behind and checked and, you know, did the weekly thing or daily thing. And, you know, other parents would be like, did you look today? Their, their test came back. And we are like, no, we didn't. Right. The report cards always have good grades. So yeah. And that's because that's a lot of pressure on both you and them. And if it's not necessary, why do it? Right. If, right. if what but they are like, doing is working, then there's no need to intervene. And that's a great way for them to grow their own confidence to say, oh, I can handle my schoolwork. I don't need my mama looking right. at my app every day or whatever. <laughs> but another child might need more, um, you know, input or more supervision in that way. But right. it, it, it just depends on each child. And it's yeah. okay. Yeah, that's great. I love that. What a great way to close because I think that is huge. Like, you know, we all know life's not fair. So yeah, it's not. It's not. So why should childhood be fair? If, if life's not fair, then why are we setting our kids up to be disappointed? So, <laughs> or like in their workplace, they're going to think it's fair, but it's not. It's not going to be fair in their workplace. It's not going to be fair in future relationships. Mm-hmm. So let's just understand that this is just the way life is, and it's okay to be content with it. That's amazing. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for your time today. You are such a breath of wisdom and discernment, and you've encouraged me so much over these nine years of motherhood, and I'm so grateful for you and the women who are still living out what the Bible tells us to do is to pass on what we know to the next generations. 
and to be those types of leaders and to um, share and impart knowledge and, and understanding. I'm so grateful for that because I, I, I wish that it was still something that was very commonplace, but unfortunately it's not. And mm -hmm. so I just want to thank you for investing in all of us that are coming up behind you. So thank, thank you. you. And thank you for being here today. Yes. Have a great one. You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you.